Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweiden Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweiden Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to talk to Stephanie Cesari and Tara Fugner from the same page, marketing and public relations restaurant and bar company. They represent restaurants and bars such as Bolton and Watt and Forest Point, Seamstress, The Grayson, and a whole bunch more. Professor Tom's. Yeah, Professor Tom's. That's a that's a good one. They they those guys carry Schweid and Sons beef, don't they? They do, they do. There's a little plug so for our sponsors. Let's do that all up and down. Um, <laughs> Rev. Yes. How are you? I'm 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 doing really good, my friend. I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm great. I went to a company picnic today, and then I came home and I took a nap, so I'm really rested. Uh, I'm excited for our guest today. I think it's going to be a fun show. Uh, but you know what I want to know? Yes. What? Tell me the last burger you ate. So I was afraid you were going to ask this question. Actually, I knew you were going to ask this question. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> what? Wait, how is it that you can't remember? No, truthfully, I haven't had a burger in about two weeks, so I'm that- sorry to let everybody down. Uh, but I've not been eating burgers for the last two weeks. And honestly, it's not on purpose. That is just sometimes how it goes in my life. Sometimes I'm eating a burger three or four times a day, and sometimes I go two weeks. So right. I, I kind of let burgers come to me. I don't do a lot of programming them into my life, you know, obviously because I work for a burger company. So it's like, oh, well, we're going to try one here today, and we're going to meet these people tomorrow and come try my burger. And so there's enough of like burgers being inserted into my timeline that I have a tendency to not insert them. I get it. I actually do pretty much the same thing, but lately it's been having the opposite effect where they've been inserted into my life multiple times a week. I'm feeling quite fat. And I got to go to the beach this weekend. I'll tell you what, though. I have a, I have a hankering today. Like, I want one right now. Well, you should get one, my man. Because last night, I went to the new JG Mellon, the one downtown. Yes, sir. Tell me about it. So I've, I've had, like, mixed feelings about JG Mellon since I moved to New York. I've now eaten it four times. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot. But as someone who eats a lot of burgers and doesn't return to another a place twice, four is a ton for me. It's a lot. It's definitely yeah. a lot. The first time I went, I liked it but I don't remember it that much. And the second time I went, which was the first time that I went for Burger Weekly, I really did not enjoy it. It it felt like it was too small. It felt kind of thrown together. I think my waitress was really kind of mean, so I wasn't digging it. But then I had one delivered to me because I did a promotional thing with an application called Go Butler and even delivered, which I normally would never do because I don't like eating a burger that cooks itself as it makes its way to me. I do not believe that burgers travel. Yeah, I'm I'm right in that same boat. Uh, This burger traveled okay. I was frankly shocked at, at how good it tasted having come down. I, w- I was in Midtown and it came down from the Upper East Side. So when I got the bug to check out the new downtown location, I was frankly a little bit less floored than I would have been at how much I enjoyed the burger at the new JG Mellon. It was just like thicker than I remembered. It was it was juicier than I remembered. The American cheese and the bun melted together in a way. I'm, I'm making hand motions that I wish everyone could see because they're really <laughs> informing how I feel about this burger. So you know what this means, right? Tell me. It, it means that at some point, either you or I or somebody else is going to have to go eat one downtown and then go immediately and eat one uptown and see how different they really are. I think that's absolutely the case, especially because I've heard that there's like a little bit of, I don't love the fact that there's a new downtown one from the regulars of the uptown one. Uh, I have read some of that that pitter-patter on the uh, on the interwebs, and I can't say that I side with them because you know what? At, at some point... The people that live there were like, oh, this is my neighborhood place and it belongs to me. But like, 
you know what, if you get a job or you get married, you're going to leave that neighborhood and you're never going to think of J.G. Miller again. Yeah, for sure. And let's say you don't ever leave that neighborhood. The only person it really belongs to is the guy who owns it. I've heard he's not necessarily so happy about the new J.G. Mellon either. <laughs> you know what, anyway, Brad? I like burgers. Yeah, I like burgers too, and I like that one. And uh, I feel like I ate another – oh, I ate a not-so-great burger at a barbecue recently, but I'm not going to mention which – I've been to a few barbecues. not going to mention which one had the burger I didn't love because I don't want to hurt any feels. Well, well with that, let's, uh, let, let's segue into our, our interview with uh, Stephanie and Tara, and let, let's talk to them about burgers because that's clearly a subject we're good at talking about. We're really excited to have Stephanie Cesari and Tara Fugner from the same page uh, restaurant PR company that they have started and are taking New York by storm with. And I'm joined as always by Rev. What's up, Rev? Hi, buddy. Uh, Stephanie, you started the same page uh, back in 2011, correct? Correct. I did, yeah. I'd, I'd been doing uh, PR for other agencies for a few years and couldn't really find anyone doing it the way I wanted to do it, so I had no choice but to start doing my own thing. What was the process of getting out from someone else's wing to doing it on your own? <laughs> well, lucky you guys, I have very little filter, so this is going to make for an interesting uh, podcast. They asked <laughs> me to get out from under their wings. <laughs> <laughs> and was it difficult starting your own company? Um, honestly, it, it it wasn't only because it couldn't be. Um, I mean, it, it, obviously there's elements that are challenging when you're going out on your own and, and trying to do something independent. Um, but if I didn't make it work, then it wasn't going to work. So I really had no choice but to make it happen. And now, three and a half years later, we've got me and Tara, like you said, taking the world by storm. Cool. And Tara, what were you doing before you came on? Before Stephanie and I joined, I had been in the corporate route for quite some time, always specializing in in hospitality. Um, I was in the beverage industry for, geez, I, yeah, I was on the event side, and then I was in the beverage industry. I, I had helped launch a sake brand called Taiku. I was there for six years, and then I just needed a bit of a break, and I was staying in the hospitality industry, started working with various venues, and worked with New York City Wine Food Festival on a bunch of their events, and was just going to freelance and, um, you know, kind of do my own thing for a bit, travel. Um, in that time, I also did start writing about drinks, cocktail, and got really involved in, in the community and that way um, with a website, Thirsty NYC, which I still am a big part of, and is, it's a little baby of mine. And along the way, met Stephanie um, as I was you know, kind of just living that freelance lifestyle, and we became fast friends. She actually you know, will help out on, on Thirsty NYC as well. And it, you know, that's kind of how our love, love story started. Um, was really respected what Stephanie was doing and that she was doing things differently in this game of you know, restaurant, hospitality, beverage, PR. And you know, we officially partnered up as of March of 2015. So what was the process of finding those first clients? Um, when I first started my own thing and branched out on my own, I actually had a client um, who asked to come with me, um, which was a bit of a a challenging situation because you don't really want to start um, on the wrong foot of what might look like, I guess, stealing a client, but that obviously wasn't the case. So that's how it first started. And I mean, I, like Tara said, we've been doing this forever. Um, so I'd been in the industry for six years before branching out on my own. So I had relationships, I had um, contacts, uh, my network was, um, you know, expansive and it, uh, just to continue to grow. And a lot of the people that I'd worked with initially when I started doing PR, um, a lot of the bartenders and, and people like that now, six years later, 
when I was starting a company had opened their own bars um, and were in more of a decision-making role in those venues. So they were able to support me and bring me on as, as their PR as well. So, you know, a lot of those people are, again, still clients now. Um, it's just been incredibly, incredibly uh, humbling to, to see the support that follows me and now Tara as well in our, in our company as we're growing and, and as we're bringing on new business. It's been amazing. It looks like you guys have a lot of fun. I, um, you know, obviously I follow you all on Facebook, and it seems like part of the job of dealing with restaurants and bars and doing PR for them is being active in that life. Uh, do you ever get tired? I don't know what that means. Oh. No. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sleep is sleep is sometimes fairly foreign to us. Um, I, well, I mean, luckily, like Stephanie said, I mean, we we've been fortunate enough having been in the industry to have fostered great relationships and we are very lucky that we get to do what we love um, and what is a passion of ours. We only really focus on hospitality, you know, restaurants, bars, um, beverage. We really specialize and focus in that space. And, you know, there, there could be worse things to do to get to hang out with some of the most talented chefs and bartenders and people in the industry and, you know, get to share their stories with, with media across the channels. Um, so, tired? Mm, um, I think maybe we'd have to stop, like, for a moment and actually feel it, but... Um, it is, you know, it it is a lot of fun when, and they say, you know, you never work a day in your life if you're doing what you love. On your, uh, you describe your company as being a lifestyle agency. Can, can you guys explain what you see the difference between a lifestyle agency and a traditional publicity agency as? For sure. I, I think a lot of that stems from why Tara and I partnered up in the first place. Um, my background is very much in traditional PR, and Tara's is in branding, marketing, um, and social media as well. We both have done a lot of events um, in our careers as well. So what we offer in our services is a really um, comprehensive approach to um, the industry. It's understanding a unique brand identity. If a, a brand doesn't have that, it's helping to, to come up with that identity, to define that identity, and then figuring out a unique media strategy, be it traditional, be it social media, be it a combination of both, that will really help to best communicate that to, uh, to the media, to consumers, and to the client themselves. So are you coming on board with them like before they have a name or is it after they're open? Like what's the typical process like? There is no typical process. That's what uh, makes it all so fun. It's a different thing. It's a client by client thing. If, if it was a, a turnkey um, approach every single time, I think we'd both be really bored of what we were doing. But uh, it's, a, it's a new adventure every time we take on a new client, whether it's starting from you know, ground zero and, and helping to define a brand and really create something from the ground up, or it's a brand that's been around, maybe a restaurant that's been open for five years and they just want to maintain some relevancy in the city um, and helping them to come up with some fresh new ideas and programming that can keep them out there and, and get new customers in. Without naming the restaurant, back a, a few months ago, or maybe a month ago, I got an email from one that asked me to come in and try their burger, and then the next day I got an email from Tara telling me not to go in and try their <laughs> burger, um, because uh, they were about to pretty much overhaul the place. Uh, how often are you doing stuff like that? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, it's it's not as much damage control. I think it's, you know, it, it, because New York is so competitive, when people open their doors, there's, you know, they, it's, it's hard to fight the temptation to just run with it. Um, but I think it is, it's, it's important that, you know, with the story of the space and what they want to portray, that that story has to be right. So, you know, working, we're fortunate enough to have gone through a, a lot of this process in, in our careers and see and we get very invested in it. And if we don't think that the story is ready to be told or 
if something is is not up to par, we'd rather be honest. And one of the things that we pride ourselves in is 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 honesty and our reputation. So I think that that's one reason that we do have such great relationships with media, both traditional and non-traditional media, is that we're honest and you know we we maintain those that reputation and we don't work with things that we don't love. So if we don't think that something is ready, or if we think that something needs to be tweaked, you know I think the worst thing that could happen is you know you're you have a bad experience every restaurant has their opening kinks and but if guests have a bad experience their first time or media has a bad experience their first time you know that that can be a little bit of a kiss of death so i would rather you know be honest and tell people let's wait let's you know work everything out before we're and when we're ready we'll go full steam ahead we're also very wary of your discerning burger palate so oh, the bar true. has been set very very high um, in our in our time having burgers with you, so we're we're cautious with that. That's fair. You you guys do know that uh, it's unlikely that if the burger was really terrible, the review would make it online because no one wants to know where to get a bad burger. Of course, of course. But and we warn people ahead of time: no ketchup, uh, medium rare. <laughs> they they're well prepared when you're coming in. That's why I like eating with you guys. <laughs> uh, I feel like we you know pitch Brad as part of your services. <laughs> yeah, it's a package deal. He didn't tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, luckily there's some really great burgers in the city, and we just happen to work with some great ones. Um, you know, we are we are quite fortunate there. But I do want to go on a burger, you know, a, a proper burger tour off work. But we can discuss that offline, Brad. All right, fair enough. <laughs> well, I think you uh, not to be super super all about me. But I think some of your clients use Schweid and Sons meat, so that's easy for us to make happen. Oh, all right. You're welcome. Absolutely. <laughs> Good job. Well done. What's the hardest part of running this type of business? Ooh. Well, I mean, I think I think you, you, we kind of touched on it um, before. Uh, you know, about it, it just being nonstop. Um, not only do we work in face to face with people in more of a traditional manner but we're also you know 24/7 when it comes to social media and being active uh, and being out there and also being in the industry um it being your own business and and you know being our company as partners you know there there is no real day off um that's probably you know the the hardest part is is you know just going full steam ahead and you know always Feeling a need to to be on in some capacity, um, and always be ready for you know whatever is going to get thrown at you that particular day. I think is it's also yeah, it's also and it, it, we may just be saying you know the same thing in many different ways, but at this point, um, especially after Tara and I have partnered up, the the line between personal and professional is completely non-existent. It's we have one life. Yeah. Um, we people get confused when we're not together. They think something's <laughs> wrong with the company. Um, it's just we we are we're always working. We're always playing. It's all one and the same. Um, and like Tara said, you know, we we absolutely love what we do. We wouldn't do it if we didn't. But um, there is sort of that sacrifice of having a, a personal life. I have you know friends who are in other industries who if they want to come see me they have to stop by one of our accounts um, or come to one of our events that's the only chance that they'll get to see me so you know that lack of a personal life sometimes catches up to you but it's worth it I mean maybe we do need to hire Brad (laughs) (laughs) I I have three jobs I don't know if it's Um, well speaking of uh, you know all the time you take to do all this stuff you've got the same page on one hand and then Tara, you're you know a big part of Thirsty NYC on the other, which is I wouldn't call it so much a, a blog because you're definitely covering 
uh, drinks that are non-alcoholic as well, but it's a big uh, New York lifestyle and drink plug. That, so that's right. Anything you can drink, coffee, juice, cocktails, what, anything you can drink. If it is liquid, we can cover it. Um, but yeah, that it's it's it is. So because my I have such a deep um, understanding of the beverage industry, having been in it for so long, um, it is a, we created a media outlet. There's CMYC. There's CMYC.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, but uh, we you know we we it was created because it, you know in the same vein as the inspiration for the same page. There, because I'm so intimate with the beverage industry, there there weren't any media outlets out there that were covering strictly beverage in a way that I thought was engaging and entertaining and being able to tell these great stories in a voice that really spoke to a, a, a newer generation, um, especially with, with social media emerging, and in a voice that was authentic and entertaining. Um, so, since there wasn't one out there, we launched it in um, around like February, March of 2014. Stephanie, I know you, Tara, you mentioned Stephanie comes in and plays a part sometimes in Thirsty, and, but there, I know there are other people involved in Thirsty as well. But you're also, you know, talking about your accounts a lot on Thirsty. Do you ever find that there's a conflict of interest? Well, the great thing is that I do have partners on it. Um, as we built the platform up, um, you know, I must say that we do, Stephanie and I are very lucky that we get to work with some incredible talent, whether it be, you know, at, at Seamstress or Sweetwater Social, you know, we, get, we work with some incredible talent across the board. So being that I do have partners, we keep it very mindful that I do wear a different hat. But, you know, in the, in the same vein is that if there's not a good cocktail, I'm not going to cover it. Um, if there's not a good drink or beverage, if there's not good service, if it's not some something that I'm proud to put forward, then it, it's it won't make it to thirsty. In the same vein as if you went for a burger and you didn't think it was a good burger and it wasn't worthy of coverage, that you wouldn't cover it. I was gonna say I'd, I'd have to pitch everyone. Um, I pitch uh, Casey and Jesse, Tara's partners, the same way yep. any publicist would have to pitch uh, an outlet. I, it's not something that Tara just automatically, you know, writes up a story and sends it to them and they post it. It uh, we a don't pitch them anything that we don't think is um, worthy of the the site that would be a good fit for them, and mm -hmm. b um, treat it like any other independent outlet that we don't have a relationship with. Um, I mean, it's we don't. It, there would be a conflict of interest otherwise, and that's something that we pride mm -hmm. ourselves on trying to avoid and and not get stuck in that tangled web. So what I was going to say as well, because I do have partners, you know, I do have to keep that that separation of church and state, and I want to keep the maintain the integrity of of their CMYC as well. So it, it sounds to me that you know you guys spend a significant amount of time not only doing your job but being a part of the community and sort of you know not just to be a part of it but to appreciate it and understand it, and that sort of helps you when you go back to your desk and work on these things. Do you think that that's sort of indicative of the way people in your role need to move forward? In the industry, in terms of like, you gotta live it, you gotta love it, you gotta be a part of it. I certainly think so. I think you know, you know, just going back to that authenticity. Um, you know, I love seeing new places, new spaces, trying new things. You know, keeping up on the trends, because then that way we can work with our clients and see what else is going on. Whether it's a competitor or a great new spot or a great new dish. To you know, let them know what you know what is happening because a lot of the time your clients, um, you know, they're never leaving their restaurants. Like that's their baby, and they're living there, and they spend every waking minute there, and they can get tunnel vision. I think it's important to you know see what else is going on so that you can you know, be a big part of the community and also be supportive of of 
people that we res that we respect and and what they're you know what they're doing in the community. There's so many other great spots. We can't represent them all, um, but it's great to you know support people when they're doing some really cool things. I think it also gives it some sort of um, a bit of credibility to to our company when people know that we're out and about and they see us out and about and uh, you know they can actually believe what we're talking about because um, we're not just sitting in an office you know doing who knows what sitting in the computer all day typing pitches sending them out blasting them to everyone um, we're out there we're, we're with our clients we're visiting other people we're taking our clients out to meet other people we're um, we're we're a presence in the industry and and that's by choice and that's part of the reason we're don't get a lot of sleep <laughs> you're also expanding very quickly I think since the time I met you guys you know your client list has grown significantly. Do you worry about growing too much too fast without bringing on any help? Of course, but we fully intend to bring on help. Um, it's something that it, it's a, a process um, finding the right talent and finding someone who shares the the, um, the I guess the approach to the industry that we have and it is such a unique approach. Um, like I said, I was at several other agencies prior to starting the company and, and no one else was doing it this way. So finding someone who either is so green that we can just fool them into doing it our way or um, actually believes in, in what we're doing and the way we're doing it. Um, it's, it's a process and a bit of a search. So we're hoping to expand in the next couple months. So stay tuned for the next podcast. Dun, da, da, da. So let, let's talk about uh, like restaurants and bars for a second here. What when is the right time for somebody who owns or operates a restaurant or bar to consider getting somebody like you guys on board? It's a great question, actually. Um, I think well, I think obviously as soon as you think that you you know like again we don't go as much a cookie cutter approach. Um, I think that the sooner that you can obviously money budgets are an issue with everyone and we try to be very sensitive about that. Um, and I think the sooner the better, because like, exactly like we said, you know, they, we like to treat everything like lifestyle, like a brand. Um, you know, knowing what their story is going to be, and we pride ourselves on being great storytellers. So, being part, the earlier that we can get on board to give some of our expertise and feedback, um, you know, I think if if it's financially feasible, um, I think at at least a month, you know, a month, if it if at all possible. Well, three months in advance because you know they're they're going to be delays. You know you really have to nail that concept down from you know what the menu reads will look like, what you know the design will be, what the logo will be, what the web website copy will be, and all that is stuff that we love. You know really really digging in. Um, so the sooner you know obviously three months because a lot of the time in that that gets like I said you know websites, menu design, POS presentations. Um, but you know again that may not be financially feasible for for restaurants and bars. Without sounding too philosophical, I think that the best time um, for for a restaurant or a bar to bring on PR is the moment that they're ready. Um, we have both experienced clients that, you know, they hire an agency just because they think it's what they're supposed to do, but they aren't actually ready to, you know, define their brand, um, to come up with a media strategy, to put themselves out there in a way that will actually generate results, and that's just, you know, you're banging your head against a wall. There's no, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, we're not going to feel good about just taking a, a monthly retainer and, and not being able to do anything with it. So um, the moment that someone is, is open to and ready um, to go out toward the media is is the moment. If it's you've been open for 10 years and you've been fine without it, but suddenly you want to try a new direction, then that's your time. If you're planning to open a restaurant in six months and you really want to sit down and, and understand the, the brand and the identity and come up with a, a strategy to be most effective in your opening, then that's the time. So it really just depends on, on the client. 
So are you are you saying that if a restaurant or bar is already open or has been open for some time, uh, that bringing on a company like you guys or services that you offer is not ideal? No, I think if it's something that they are open to, um, that it's 100% a great idea. If if it, they are amenable to making changes within their identity or, um, you know, whatever it is that their their ultimate goal is, maybe they want to, um, uh, after five years expand and they're going to add a new location somewhere so they mm -hmm. want to you know get press for those reasons maybe they want to target a new audience and they want to get press for those reasons it's just a matter of coming up with the strategy that that suits their needs the best so if a, if a restaurant or bar is in a state where maybe they're faltering or they're seeing you know a dip in their business um, do you think that's a scenario where you know PR and you know lifestyle marketing uh, is a good idea or is it a bad idea well, I think it's obviously, you know, that would be, it's, it would be a great idea. I mean, you have to think, you know, to come in and, and you know, we, we'll be honest with people, you know, from the beginning. Um, it depends on, you know, what their challenge is, why they're losing. You know, like Stephanie said, if they're open to changes, because obviously if they're losing clientele, they're losing business, and they're faltering, things need to be changed. So as long as they're willing and open to make tweaks, and changes and really explore why that's happening. You know, maybe the service has has, has been lacking. Maybe the, the food is lacking. Maybe it just feels stale and old. Maybe there's a new competitor in the in in the neighborhood. Um, but I think, you know, being able to tell your story and, and, and let people know about your, your, your venue and restaurant and keeping up with the times is 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 a great aspect of, of the PR side. As my, my dad always says, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to get the same results you've always gotten. So if what you're doing is getting the results you want, then keep doing it. If it's not, then bring on a marketing and PR firm and let us get creative with you. Uh, and then as far as you know, people who maybe can't afford a marketing PR firm or really just feel that they have the tools but maybe not the direction to do it themselves, what kind of advice would you give to someone who wants to do it on their own? Oh, um, I, I'd say, well, without giving away all of our secrets. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I'd say just get creative. Um, that's one of the, the biggest parts of our day is just thinking about things outside of the box, getting creative, thinking about things differently than other people are, um, and that's what gets you noticed. That's what gets you attention in the media, with consumers, um, with your competitors. Yeah, and I think, you know, from because maybe this is a realm that I live way too deeply in, I think, you know, and I'll give give this little tidbit out for all you restaurateurs or, you know, wannabe restaurateurs out there. Um, I think really dedicating time and energy to social media and building up your social media platforms. Um, if you can't afford a PR firm, I would say really having a strong presence and dedicating the time and the energy to creating and building your social media platforms um, is, is super critical. Just looking, you know, I'm on Instagram all the time. Uh, I see a lot of restaurants pop up. They'll maybe post here and there that you know they have a, a big audience. They post here and there, and it's not consistent. Or maybe they have a tiny audience. They're posting all the time, and I'm sure that can be very frustrating. You know, you you mentioned you know they need to spend a lot of time building their audience. What's one tip you can give to a restaurateur or a bar owner to help build their audience? Well, from a social media perspective, I think you know it is figuring out what that you know figuring out what that identity is. Um, so that you can, you know, kind of create a persona, um, create a voice and, and a tone so that, again, consistency is key. Um, you know, posting five times a day, you know, those are things that might work for a place. Like they may be changing their specials up every five minutes or they're a food truck that's going, you know, that's, that's going from corner to corner and that might work for them. But I think the most important thing is to establish 
a voice and identity and staying consistent with that and engagement, engagement, engagement. You know, it, it's not, not only is it about consistently posting, but, you know, engaging with people that have been to your restaurant or bar and engaging with people that you might be a fan of. Um, you know, whether it's it's a brand or a media outlet or a blogger or a social media influencer in their right. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's really just coming up with a consistent voice and brand um, in the social media realm and just sticking, staying true to that. I think the engagement is also key. Even think on your own, you know, personal accounts. How how much you appreciate when you get a like on your photo or a comment. Um, the engagement is really something that it catches people's eye and it helps them to want to participate even more and get further involved in in your account. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can look at some brands and and, and restaurants, and they, they think it's super cool to not comment on things or be following zero people. Um, that's not really my mentality. Maybe that's a, a personal thing. I, when you know, being in the social media realm, I don't think it's cool to not be following anyone. Um, I think that you know, you, you want to come off, you know, at, unless that really is 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 your thing and that's your identity. Um, I think it is, you know, really important to be social. You know, that's the point of social media um, and be engaging and thankful for people that take the time to post, whether it's a picture of. A, a great dish that they had, or a great cocktail, or you know, just a picture of them with their friends, and that they you know took the time to tag you in a post, or you know, geotag themselves. So, yeah, you know, again, it's engagement and consistency. Yeah, I think you guys make a good point in terms of how important social media can be. Well, you know, typically in the small restaurant and bar business. You know, it's one person wearing many hats. They're the manager, the owner. They got to do social media. They're running the mm -hmm. bills. They got to do all this stuff. And so, with that, do you find that there's maybe one or two or three social networks that you feel actually works a little bit better for the bar restaurant business? That you would say, hey, I would focus my effort on you know, on these channels. I think Instagram I is, is key, especially nowadays um, with bars yeah. and restaurants because it's so visual. Um, being able to see, you know, melty ice cream from Bolton and Watts, little mini ice cream cones or, you know, the yolk dripping down a burger at uh, Bounce, you know, whatever it is, getting that, that graphic image just draws mm -hmm. people in. You can't really help it. Well, I'll tell you what, if they ever create an audio social network, the two of you should be on it because I'm starving now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are professional wordsmiths. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what common mistakes do you think bar and restaurant owners make once they've they've brought on an agency like yours? Oh, I think you know a, a, a common mistake would potentially, and, and Steph, let me know if you agree with this, would be you know, not communicating everything that's going on. Um, we. We love. I mean, actually, we you know we both you know we have an office space, but we tend to be at our, all of our clients every single day um, because it's important to be really ingrained. But you know, if they're if you bring on an agency and you're not communicating, whether it's a new menu item or you know changes in staff or a special event, um, I think that is something that can sometimes be frustrating because we might be able to take something that they're working on and, and really either further develop it or, or make some magic in the, in the, the media realm. Um, so I think you know, a common mistake is that you know, they're so busy that they may not communicate everything. Um, I think that's agreed from my perspective the most we frustrating, the at least on our end. Business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll be like, oh, we didn't think that you'd care. Oh, we didn't think that, you know, but that's where you know, we, we want to know as much of, of, of what's going on um, to be able 
do our jobs effectively. So I, I know from my, my own experience in owning bars, I've definitely sat in front of a Facebook page or a Twitter page and said, I don't know what to post today. Uh, I feel like I've already posted our weekly specials. I've already posted a picture of a cocktail. I've already do whatever. Is there some other, you know, like, hey, some ideas that you guys have, simple ideas like, hey, think about doing this or post one of those? Do you have sort of those, like, uh, ec extra social media tips? Yeah. Um, well, I don't, I don't know if this has always been around or if social media has now created these things, um, but there is a food and drink calendar. I mean, there's basically a, a national day for everything. Um, Our clients and not even, absolutely hate it. <laughs> they hate us. Hate it. It's just you know, today is National Root Beer Float Day, I believe. Yep, well, that that'll be posted on some outlet in shortly. Maybe tune in for Thursday, am I say? Um, but that's, I mean, I think if if you're looking, if you you never know what to do, honestly, check out you know what what hashtags are trending that day. Um, you know, food and drink holidays are always great because you could inspire you know a bartender or your chef to make something new and different and special for that day. It can help you come up with, with a unique program. Um, and it gets you looped into trending topics. Um, and if you're not, you know, if, if that feels a little too hokey for you, I think, you know, finding trending topics that are not polarizing, um, whether it's, you know, something that's happening in sports or fashion or the weather, you know, or something like that, that at least can get you potentially looped into trending topics and, and conversations so that you could potentially end up in more people's feeds. Sure, I think nothing polarizing about sports. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> and politics yeah. is all, always post about yeah. politics. Um, no, I think another thing is because, you know, bars and restaurants, it's all part of the hospitality industry. So um, if you're ever kind of strapped for something to post, um, post about your staff, you know, meet meet our server, meet our bartender. Um, these are the faces behind everything that you guys are enjoying. It's it's a great way to kind of get to know the people who are, are part of the industry and, and put some faces. And I think you could also, you know, like as potential strategy, you know, and, and, and customer loyalty as well might be to once a week, you know, to figure out kind of like so that you're not struggling to figure out what to post to come up with at least loose like on Mondays we do this Tuesdays we do that Wednesdays you know we do this and maybe one day it's like a customer appreciation day where you're thanking your be you know the best photo that someone took that you know from the past week so not only are you coming up with content but you're you're encouraging and engaging and thanking your guests for posting and sharing their experience and now we need to go into the next question before we give away all of our secrets in our company. It's I know, jeez. <laughs> all right, well, you guys. Well, so we'll we'll take it to this one, and 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 this is sort of a loaded question, but I, I think you guys are well apt to uh, to handle it. Uh, would you say that uh, PR actually drives customers into a bar or restaurant? Of course, I I've been to many bars and restaurants because of um, great PR. Well, I think absolutely. The there are so many incredibly talented chefs, restaurateurs, bartenders. There's so many fantastic stories to be told, but you can have the absolute best product in the world and hoping that people will just stumble upon it um, is usually not going to cut it. Of course, you know there's sometimes you know lightning strikes and something completely takes off organically. Um, but having help to let people know that you've created something really special and someone that can help tell your story to the media, you know, to bring in the right people to help you create programs and, and to help you 
communicate all this great work that you've put together is something that's really important. You know, unfortunately, there's so many bars and restaurants that do fail, and a lot of them are fantastic. It's just that people don't know about it, and if people don't know that you're there, you know, good luck with filling seats. Do you think that getting a review on, you know, New York Times or Grub Street or Eater or whatever, do you feel like that has immediate impact or is it more of a long-term impact? I think that depends on the outlet. Um, I think there's a lot of longevity in, you know, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, those kind of outlets. Um, Eater, it's a it's a daily thing. They're posting about a new restaurant every day, and that's part of the charm of this city. Is there's so many bars and restaurants. Um, there's always content, always something opening, always something to check out. So I think that that, um, you know, it, there's credibility. But next week there's going to be another restaurant that you want to check out. So that that stuff moves a lot quicker. Great. All right. Before before we before we go to wrap. I have a, a, a personal question. I feel like every single eater, Gothamist, Gawker, uh, I, and I subscribe to all of them, every single email I get, all they have is listicles. The 10 best sandwiches, the 14 oysters you need to eat. My question for you is, do you get pitches from those places that say, hey, we're doing the 14 best bacon dishes on the Upper West Side? Do you have any? It goes both ways. Um, sometimes we'll get... Uh, people that you have a relationship with sending you an email saying, hey, by the way, you have any bars that have games in them? We're doing a roundup of bars with games. And then sometimes um, you'll say, we've got a great frozen cocktail at Bardo and Sweetwater Social and you know a few other spots and say, listen, I've got the roundup for you and you do all the work for them. Um, so it really just depends. It goes both ways. That is awesome because it my, my, uh, it's my opinion from the consumer side that that's just somebody inside one of those offices listening out their favorite grilled cheeses. <laughs> and that might be true. that might be true as well. Um, but I think you know it, it. What is great is you know having a lot of relationships with these with um, these writers across the board. So staying on the radar because there will be another roundup, whether it's you know, a new trend that's happening. I um, mean, you know, just really staying on their radar on a on a daily daily basis uh, is super important. Rev, I get the feeling that you post all those lists on Facebook half the time just to see what kind of reaction it's going to get from me. <laughs> Well, now that I know that they're all concocted by the page group. <laughs> well, we have really great taste. I mean, what are we going to say? Sorry if people want to know our opinions. All right, guys. Well, speaking of taste, uh, Rev and I kind of like hamburgers. So we like to take the last couple minutes of every podcast and ask our guests a few questions about burgers. So Stephanie, Tara. Ooh, yes, your... It's the hard-hitting stuff. Yeah, here we go. What was your favorite hamburger growing up? Mine's a bit of a cop-out answer, but um, it was my dad's on the grill. Aww. We get that a lot. That's not Aww. a That's sweet. My, yeah, my dad had a lot of kids over for hamburgers. I'd imagine that's a, a common answer. Oh, <laughs> Aww, that's sweet. Shout out to Steve if you're, if you're out there listening. Thanks, um, Steve. <laughs> mine, uh, well, I grew up in Great Neck, Long Island. Shout out to Great Neck. Um, and my favorite that was a treat would be when my dad and I would go to Peter Luger's for lunch. And that, I have very fond memories of that burger, um, which reminds me, I haven't had it in a very long time. But, yeah, growing up, that was like a super special treat for me. I believe Eater um, just wrote about it. Eater or Grub Street, one of them just wrote about the burger, and it, I oh, read it, and I wanted to go back and have it. Was it a listicle? Press works. No, it was just it a was feature on the, on the Luger burger. It was on Eater. Huh? Uh, uh, see, there you go. Thanks. I'll, I'll tell you what, that's a pretty badass dad. You I know. know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love my, I love my dad, and my burger influence reaches deep into, into my dad's opinion on food, but my dad never took me to Peter Luger's for a random lunch. 
Yeah, you know, he, he you know he worked he did work a lot, but it, you know it was you know it was our, our, I couldn't help it. You know, I was, I was I was the favorite of the kids, so you know he I get I get some burgers. I'm just kidding, other kids. I'm just kidding, Dad. But yeah, Tara's, I mean, with Tara's family also has some um, deep restaurant roots that she has uh, kept a secret so far on this podcast. Oh, that's true. Well, um, little factoid about me uh, <laughs> and my family. <laughs> well. Um, my great-grandfather, his name was G. Selmer Fugner, and his nickname was The Baron, and he wrote for the New York Sun, which has then has morphed into the New York Times, and he is credited, you can Google it, don't you worry, uh, for, being the, for creating the profession of being the first food and wine critic um, back in the early 1920s, so that's a little, a little factoid about me. So no, so pre no, no pressure. No pressure. No. No, we, she, she was destined for the industry. I just sort of fell into it. <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right. So, next question. What was the last hamburger you ate? Ooh, I do it a lot. Um, actually, the last burger that I did eat, um, Bounce Sporting Club, shout out to them. They are going to be in burger, competing in Burger Bash this year for New York City Wine and Food Festival. Um, which, if you have not attended, is a great, great event for all restaurant, budding wannabe restaurateurs, restaurateurs in general, or food lovers. Um, check out New York City Wine Food Festival. Uh, but they are competing in Burger Bash, so they created the Frankenburger that will be competing. And it, we were doing a burger tasting, and that was my last burger at Bounce Sporting Club. Sounds awesome. My last burger was. Um, all the way out in the depths of Bushwick at Forest Point, I had the Jefferson, which is one of the burgers off their secret burger menu created by Chef David Rotter. Um, it is well worth the L train out there and back, and um, don't skip the waffle fries. That Jefferson is good. Yep, good stuff. Since we already had you guys tell all of your tips for marketing, which is one of our usual questions. Yep, we're all out. <laughs> uh, why don't you just let everybody know where they can find out more about you? Stephanie, you want to take this one? I was giving you the last question, my darling. Oh, all right. Well, um, our lovely website is thesamepageco.com. Page is with an I. Um, we are on social media at thesamepageco. Um, on Twitter and on Instagram, and otherwise you can find us at any one of our clients if you want to just stalk us entirely. Um, Tara will probably post about it on Facebook and tag where we are. Yep, that's me. Um, and we'd love to uh, have some burgers and drinks with you guys sometime soon. Brad, I think probably sooner than later. <laughs> Is there some secret plan that I don't know about? Tara, we were not supposed to talk about it in front of Rev. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, well, we, 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 we had the pleasure of having some tiki cocktails already with Rev. We have to spread the love. All right. Well, Stephanie, Tara, thank you so much for coming on the show, and we'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. This was a lot of fun. A pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.